Welcome to Behave, the behavioural science podcast where we discuss, explore and aim to showcase the practical benefits of layering behavioural insights to deliver more effective marketing results and business growth. Hosted by Pedro Martins, a director at Total Media, the behavioural planning agency. Remember to rate us on wherever you listen to podcasts and for any questions, feedback or requests for future topics, please email us at podcast at behave.co.uk. For more information on anything discussed in the episode and useful downloads, please visit behave.co.uk forward slash podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Carpe Diem. I'm Abby Hartley, Head of Marketing at Initials, and we've joined forces with Total Media and Behave to bring you what I hope will be a really insightful hour ahead. But before I hand over to the experts in the room, let me set the scene a little. After 18 months of lockdown, having finally got used to the home-based lifestyle imposed on us by the pandemic, we find ourselves on the verge of yet another unprecedented lifestyle disruption. As restrictions lift and the elusive Freedom Day becomes a reality, many, many people will be resetting to a hybrid balance of working from home and working in the office. Today, we will explore what this moment in time means for consumer behaviour, and their shopping habits and how brands can navigate this and seize the opportunity it presents to make their brands part of a new way of life, meeting the moment, as it were. Many brands achieved growth during lockdown, such as subscription-driven brands, barista in-home coffee brands, and those that lean on D2C, for example. How will they adapt to protect their newfound audience and their position in the market as their consumers' lives change again? And conversely, how can those brands that have lost relevance over the past year and a half reassert their relevance in the new occasions that will form as we press reset? During the session, please feel free to pop your questions in the chat and we'll do our best to get to them at the end. Otherwise, we'll come back to you directly in the coming days. So without further ado, I will hand over to Josh Tilley, Senior Strategist at Initials, and Will Hamner-Lloyd, Head of Behavioural Planning and Strategy at Total Media and Behave. Over to you guys. Thanks, Abby, and hello and welcome, everyone. Today we're going to be talking about why the next six months are absolutely crucial for brands. And part of that rests on this research that 45% of the activities that people undertake every day are habitual. That's everything from how when we make our tea to the sorts of tea bags that we might be buying. And in terms of habits, they've been massively disrupted over the last few years. So we look back to 2019, and about 32% of Londoners ever worked from home. So that was one day a week or more. We then looked last year, and that had then risen to 57%. And I think we can read between the lines there. That's not just people working from home once a week, but people working from home every single day. Now we look to this year and some research that the IPA have done, with 89% of people saying that they favour this fully flexible uh, working hybrid uh, going forward. So I think what this really tells us is that the long-term impact is not fully known. So whilst that has some kind of threats for some of our habits, actually it's a time of massive opportunity for brands to re-engage people. In 2020, uh, there were 12 million new SVOD subscriptions. So we can see that that has been huge growth in that sector. And for those physical subscription boxes as well, over a quarter of UK adults now take up at least one. And I think if we look back to even only a few years ago, uh, those figures would have been pretty remarkable. But whilst things have been going brilliantly in some sectors, 
um, the easing of lockdown has not been successful across the board. There's about a quarter of licensed premises in the UK um, are yet to reopen. Uh, so just because there is good news in, se in the sense of things reopening um, shortly, um, it doesn't mean that everything is going to be able to bounce back to normal um, as it was before. So as we can see, kind of behaviour has been very influenced by the lockdown and will be influenced as we come out of it. As restrictions ease, we'll have a period of newly formed habits uh, being disrupted and it's supposed to be an enormous opportunity for brands. And the reason for this is that uh, in a way, coming out of lockdown is a lot like a life event. It very much sets up new routines, destabilises existing habits. Uh, and a lot of research shows that life events are opportunities for people to develop new behaviors and adopt new brands. So when people get married, they're four times more likely to buy a new car. When people move house, we're much more likely to adopt environmental behaviors. And David Halpern of the Behavioral Insights team actually taps into this when he says successful behavior change is sometimes about intervening at the right time. If you contact people within three months of them moving into a new house, behavioural patterns haven't re-established themselves yet. And the reality is that coming out of lockdown, we're going to have new behavioural patterns establishing themselves over the next three to six months. So there's a real opportunity to get your brand ingrained with people. And this is backed by industry research, uh, whether it's things you can do on TGI to show that people change brands when they have a life event or research by Richard Shotton, again, showing that same trend. Uh, and this makes habits incredibly important and the, the changing of habits incredibly important. Uh, in fact, research suggests that habits help explain why half of new products fail. Uh, and that's because products or services are frequently new behaviors. They often fail because uh, they're not adopted. It's not because consumers lack awareness or even the intention to use the new product, but they fail to exist or create uh, a new habit. Um, and we're about to enter a period of a lot of new habits across millions or tens of millions of people. So we really need to understand these new habits and new behaviors so that we can make sure our brands are successful. Uh, and this is more important in some categories than others. Uh, this is EY research where they actually found that people who are planned to spend more coming out of lockdown consider the way they travel is gonna be impacted, the way they shop, the way they socialize, the way they eat, what they do to be entertained. And so we've today focused on four key categories uh, as four categories that will be significantly impacted by uh, people coming out of lockdown and the new habits and behaviors that they'll form. These four areas where we're going to see habits change and really be impacted are working and commuting, shopping and retail, cooking and food, and socializing and entertainment that make up a large part of people's lives that are going to be seriously impacted by uh, the end of lockdown uh, as we come out of it. The first one we want to look at is working and commuting. Um, and there's going to be a lot of new behaviors around this. Uh, one tweet that I saw that I liked was by Laura Peatman, who said she can't wait to scoff an overpriced prep sandwich as I power walk down Tottenham Court Road because I left the office late and the show starts in 25 minutes and I need to leave time to buy an obscenely expensive glass of wine from the theatre bar. And it captures that sense of as we go to the office, we'll be buying from new places like Pratt, we'll suddenly have more time pressure and want food on the go, we'll have whole new routines around travel and working that will mean new shopping and new habits for brands to uh, tap into. 
And I think there's two main ways really for brands to respond to and think about this. The first is that as we've developed new behaviors and developed new behaviors coming out of lockdown, we need to think how brands can fit into those behaviors. Uh, and this is because it's a lot easier to get people to adopt a new behavior, adopt a new brand, if you tap it onto an existing behavior or a new behavior that they already do. Creating new behaviors can be often very difficult, but if you add it into something that exists already, it becomes habit very easily and, and they do it very easily. A good example is actually a campaign by London Fire Brigade uh, where they wanted to get people to check their fire alarms. And they suggested that people did this uh, twice a year when they changed the clocks in their house. And what happens is you're going around the house already to change and check all your clocks. And when you're doing that behavior, it's very easy to just add on checking the fire alarms. Whereas getting someone to break a normal routine to check fire alarms is a lot more difficult. And as brands, we can think about this and think, well, where can we get people to use our brands or buy our brands in the new habits and new behaviors that are being formed coming out of lockdown? But secondly, there's also an opportunity to create new habits and create new uh, behaviors because as we come out of lockdown, so many of our habits will have been destabilized. And so we're in this really rich opportunity uh, to create new habits that involve buying our brand or involve using our brands. Uh, so for example, here is just a very simple understanding of how you form new habits. You need a trigger, something that tells people to take the action that you want that is automatic. You have the routine and that's them automatically doing the behavior uh, whether it's physical, mental, emotional, and then uh, the reward, something that makes them feel positive about the action they've just done. And if you can get this cycle of cue, routine, reward uh, in people's new behaviors uh, coming out of lockdown, you will get long-term customers who will buy and use your products uh, for the foreseeable and long-term future. And there's lots of different ways you can think about this with commuting. Obviously, there are lots of different new behaviors to tap into, uh, people buying when they travel, uh, people being in a rush and needing to pick things up, or an opportunity to think about where can we set up cues that fit into this traveling. That could be out-of-home advertising, mobile advertising, that taps into those moments when people are on the go with their new travel routines to shift them towards buying your brand. Yeah, so on the subject of these new travel routines or kind of tapping into those existing habits, I kind of see that there are two different ways that brands can go about it based on that 90% stat from the IPA that people prefer in this hybrid working model. So you've got office days and you've got working from home days. So for those office days, what can kind of be uh, on-the-go brands or those impulse brands be doing uh, to kind of interrupt what you're doing or kind of get them to uh, get you to re-engage back with them uh, when you're out and about? Uh, and with those working from home brands, what can they do to secure their role uh, when you're probably uh, not going too far from your house uh, and you might just be doing some online shopping or, or maybe just popping out at lunchtime? What can they do to secure their role in your day that way? Uh, so looking um, at those office days first, um, and there's kind of a few different things that I've begun to explore. Uh, now, these are far from exhaustive, uh, but kind of uh, some provocations to how we might be able to think for 
how brands can interact with us going forward. Uh, so kind of coffee shops and coffee loyalty, um, that is one that I think most people uh, kind of features uh, in their day in their commute to the office. Uh, but the idea of coffee loyalty is kind of set up on the assumption that you're going in most days or, or, or every day, in fact, the kind of the loyalty pays off when you're going in very frequently and you're able to get that free coffee toward the end of it. Uh, but actually, if you're not going in there uh, quite so much, if you're only going in a couple of days uh, a week, uh, is there so much of a benefit to doing that? Uh, and off the back of the kind of the locality and the localization trend that we've seen in the last few months, are people going to be wanting to go to those independent shops that perhaps aren't running those loyalty schemes? They're not going into the office very much at all. Maybe they want to spend a few extra pence, uh, but kind of make it go to somewhere that, that perhaps isn't a chain. Then we've got meal deals, uh, and that is everything from people just popping into go and get their crisps and their sandwich from Pratt, or going in to get their meal deal from Sainsbury's or, or shops like that. Now, for most people, uh, it's uh, kind of a bit of a default choice. Um, it's probably a bit of a backup or maybe something that's kind of done on autopilot. You're just popping out, grabbing something really, really quickly um, and getting back to the office and, and probably uh, eating it at your desk. Um, and, and I think what is probably changing in that respect is that if office days are less frequent, we'll probably be a little bit more willing to try things that are new. They'll probably be a little bit more of an occasion when we're kind of going out. So actually, meal doesn't need to think of themselves and, and reposition from being this backup or this default option uh, to kind of consider the relevance in our lives if we're kind of going out and, and, and perhaps spending a few extra pounds on our lunch. And then finally, impulse brands. Um, I think to, to Will's point around kind of, you know, whether it be commuting data or out of home uh, or, or, or digital, I, I think they may need to recognize when we're actually out of our homes and commuting into the office, because it'd be quite easily if we're only going into the office once or twice a week that they become quite planned affairs. We're not necessarily needing to pop into a shop on the way in or, or popping into uh, Sainsbury's at lunchtime. So I think we really need to think um, what the role of impulse is um, in, in that respect. So I suppose for kind of these, there's a real lesson that brands need to recognize that our relationship with them has probably changed a little bit um, and they need to factor in lower frequency of visit, um, this kind of strained concept of loyalty, uh, and they kind of need to justify their role in our lives because um, they kind of have changed uh, pretty drastically over the last uh, 18 months. And then when it kind of comes to those working from home days, um, I think there's kind of opportunities in a few different spaces uh, on that front too. So homeware brands, um, I think this is kind of more of a long-term opportunity, but if you think about it, uh, for a long time, it was quite uncertain um, how much we would be working from home. Now that, that is becoming probably a little bit more concrete. And so the idea that we probably need to kind of upscale what we have in our home setups is probably quite true. So brands, everything from, you know, Made and Low to John Lewis and beyond, they need to think exactly what we need within our homes for us to be able to kind of work um, properly. Um, and, and so uh, I think there's also a, a kind of a lead into the next thing, which is that blend between work life and home life. For a lot of people, especially in London, they may not have the luxury of having a home office. So I think, I think a lot of brands need to work out uh, how they can make the things that we have in our homes work for both of those things. So it's not just that we're having huge office and desk setups that are technically practical for everything else, but uh, a way of making them work both ways. Uh, and as well as that, um, helping us find separation between work life and home life. Uh, and so there's lots of articles all the time about the kind of the hours that we're working um, they're kind of being uh, quite strained and, and almost every hour of the day being potentially a working hour as much as a resting one. So I think brands need to think how they can kind of take up the mantle in helping us find some kind of separation between those two parts of our lives. And then when it comes to health and wellness, 
I think we've had the real luxury over the last 18 months of having probably an extra hour or two in our days when we might normally have been commuting. Uh, and so people have been able to kind of, you know, whether it be workouts in the morning, Joe Wicks, going on long walks in the evening. If we're suddenly going back into an office a couple of times a week, uh, that's not quite as easy anymore. So I think health and wellness brand need, need to think about how they can support us on those days when we probably do have a little bit more time to us. So that be vitamins, whether that be workouts, um, whatever have you, um, they need to kind of help us a little bit more. So on that topic, uh, we have a little bit of creative work um, from Naked uh, and from Nature's Bounty. So you're slightly underpacked. Oh well, our immunity supporting vitamin C and zinc gummies can be relied on, even when the weather can't. Nature's bounty. We've got this. So two key things for brands to understand from the last section. Firstly, the changed circumstances of their consumers and the need to find a way to fit into these new habits and patterns of behaviour. And secondly, that their relationship with their consumers is likely to evolve. So they may need to look at adjusting their proposition to justify their role again in the new lifestyles of their audience. Back to you, Will. Uh, and now we're on to shopping and retail. Uh, obviously, first of all, as people's routines around work potentially change, that can impact their shopping habits. Uh, potentially you're picking up food on your way back from work and that might change the supermarket you go to or mean you do more on-the-go shopping than you did before or even impact your ability to pick up uh, deliveries. Uh, alongside that, we're kind of seeing people's attitude towards general retail, uh, shopping malls change as people become more confident and comfortable with this and, and a growing opportunity for people to spend more time in stores, looking at things that they want to buy, fashion cards, and, and taking time to, to enjoy shopping again. I think it's interesting and important to look at the, the changing nature of shopping and, and how we're going to spend and the fact that it won't be uniform across everyone. Uh, lockdown, first of all, has affected people quite differently. So some people have uh, attempted and have been able to save. Uh, they've continued to earn the same, but haven't actually been able to spend uh, the money that have been earning due to the impound of, impact of lockdown. Whereas actually there's other people who've been relatively similar and other people who've had to cut back who have been in more economically insecure employment or found their wages impacted and have actually found that uh, they've had to borrow money or, or struggle a little bit to get through lockdown. Uh, and so people have had very different experiences. But out of that, they also expect to spend differently coming out of it. So some people, as they've had to either save to get through um, or have generally been saving, expect to carry on that frugal behavior. Uh, it's something they've adopted and they'll, they'll continue. Other people want to get back to normal and are hoping that as their work picks up again, uh, they can get back to their normal levels of spend and shopping. And actually there's some interesting groups that because they've been able to save and the UK has had the highest uh, number of people who've been able to save of any European country, with 33% of people in the UK saying that they've saved during lockdown. There's actually a significant group of people that want to uh, spend more and are quite looking forward to the opportunity to splurge again uh, and spend some of that money they've saved and, and enjoy themselves after lockdown. So 
there's definitely different ways people are coming out of this and we need to consider that when messaging them. Um, but in terms of people who are moving, one of the people that will be impacted differently are those office workers we were just talking about. The people who are likely to see their commuting habits change the most as we come out of lockdown compared to people who have been uh, maintaining a more consistent work and travel pattern in some other sectors. Uh, and this is really important because this will impact where people shop. If your commuting and travel habits change, the likelihood is that you'll go to different supermarkets and go to different shops. And we have actually very habitual behavior in a supermarket. So a study by Ehrenberg Bass found that uh, on average, we spend 10 seconds per item. And most of that is trying to find it. Uh, a large supermarket has around 300,000 different items in it. And we pick about 150. And what that means is that most of our behavior and our shopping in store is habitual and us just going to the same places to pick up the same items uh, that we do normally. But when we go to new shops, that destabilizes those habits because they have new layouts that we're not used to. And therefore, we take a longer shop uh, that isn't quite as habitual. And that's a real opportunity for brands to become front of mind, to get noticed, to get picked when people aren't being able to do such habitual shopping as normal. So it really drives salience as a key factor right now, uh, being front of mind while people have these new shopping habits in supermarkets and becoming a new brand that they pick up in the new stores that they go to. But there's quite a lot of shopping that isn't habitual or as habitual. There's quite a lot of relaxed, contemplative shopping that people are actually really looking forward to returning to. So this can be anything from card shopping, fashion, homeware, going to charity shops, uh, looking for decorative things for the home. Uh, people like to spend time. It's, it's not just shopping and buying. It's, it's a social activity that they enjoy. Uh, and actually 31% of people have said shopping in store rather than online is the thing they're most looking forward to when normal life returns. So more than going to restaurants, going to pubs, going to sport, this is an activity people have missed and, and genuinely want to get back to. But, and I think this is really important and captures a trend that, that we've seen across lots of different categories and brands, there is a split between people. So there's a, a group of people who really want to get back to that shopping, want to go into fashion retailers and look at the clothes, want to explore the different things for their home. But there's also a huge amount of people that are really nervous about going back into uh, shops. 47% uh, of people say they're not sure they'll feel comfortable going into non-grocery shops, even after lockdown ends, according to Deloitte. And what this means is that we can't just assume there is one universal message that can cut through against both groups. There'll be a group of people where you really want to play up that notion of enjoying shopping again. You want to reach them with out of home when they're out. You want to reach them uh, on those occasions that they're thinking about shopping and capture that excitement. And that group, actually, they haven't been to shops for quite a while. So there's an opportunity to get them to come to you for the first time, again, because their habits are destabilized. And so they're potentially likely to try new places. But for the group that are more worried about uh, going into shops again, there's a consideration of whether we think they're too hard to convert, whether doing that job of converting them to being comfortable with shopping again is too big, or whether we do need to hit them with very targeted messaging, uh, talking about the fact that the shops are safe, the 
the things you're doing to put people at ease so that they feel they can start to go in store again. I think this is one of the areas where media can really help by finding these different categories of people and delivering the message that's most likely to cut through against them. A few examples uh, to think about on this is with search, you can see by the type of search people are doing, whether there are people looking to go shopping in store again, or whether they're nervous about going into shops and you can deliver them different messaging. It also means out of home, near shopping centers, near busy areas, but can become popular again uh, as a way of targeting those people who are inherently are out shopping and want to return to shops. So it informs the type of media you use and potentially targeting the right message to the right person. Yeah, so as Will said, um, brand salience is absolutely vital um, over the last, over the next few months. Uh, and it's only by doing that, actually, um, that they kind of really stand a chance of securing their place in, in our habits going forward. So that'll be one of the key themes that we talk about as we kind of explore the shopping and retail section. We're also going to look a little bit about how disrupted habits, this prime opportunity for new launches, um, and then actually kind of going back to the idea about kind of having another chance to kind of re-engage customers back into retail. Um, so at the start of the pandemic, uh, I think the best brands um, emphasised what their roles were within our lives, so whether that be Heinz talking about uh, breakfast and all the things that they do. I think the BBC and all of their coverage, and I think even the most kind of ardent hater of the BBC probably could recognise that what they were doing was kind of uh, helping people feel more informed, uh, bringing people together, or as the BBC, the BBC said, bringing us closer. Uh, and then KFC, so people kind of almost... Uh, kind of making up their own kind of KFC uh, buckets and bundles um, because they weren't able to go out and get them themselves. And, and, and that shows kind of real brand love that people were able to, or brands were able to reflect back to people. And so I think as we kind of actually emerge from lockdown again, brands have to do the same thing and, or, or kind of see that as inspiration for what they're doing going forward. And again, going back to KFC, uh, you may be noticing a habit there uh, in, uh, in terms of uh, me recognising one of my favourite brands. Uh, but the idea that they were actually recognising almost the awkwardness of their finger-licking good proposition and their line, the idea of kind of gathering people around, enjoying it, communal eating, they, they couldn't say that anymore. That, that had to pause and be stopped. But now we kind of look uh, to more recent creative and the idea that they're now reminding us how much we love them, why we love going into there, all of the different things and all the different occasions um, that we see their fried chicken is being fought. So I think they're capturing the ship perfectly. It's driving that salience, getting us to go back in there, reminding us why we like them and their role within our lives. And at the moment, uh, a little over a third of people are actively trying new brands. Um, and, and that's kind of been a, 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 both a threat and, and a boon for the last 18 months, that when people have been going into stores, um, perhaps they've been not able to get the things that they might have wanted before. And so they're having to try new things, or maybe they're trying different price points of product because their finances perhaps have been stretched, or they're able to have a little bit more money than, than you might expect. Uh, but actually... Um, it's a really exciting opportunity for brands when it comes to launches. Uh, now, we had an event a few months ago where we talked about um, now being a prime opportunity for brands to launch. And we developed some launch factors, and there are a few that are quite important and relevant here when we talk about moments of behavioral and habit change. I think the first one is brands using launches to kind of galvanize um, their kind of their proposition and, and drive that salience. Um, so there's kind of no point brands bringing out stuff that is totally different from anything else that they're doing. Now's a real opportunity for them to remind us why they're relevant, why we love them, the best things about them. So driving new launches, which galvanize that. Um, I think the second is uh, that we're going to be needing products 
um, in probably slightly different forms and formats we may have wanted them uh, in before. Uh, so if we're kind of going to be um, at home for a lot of the time when it comes to breakfast, for example, uh, we're going to be needing new formats that perhaps we needed if we knew that we were always going to be uh, in the office and might just be needing them at the weekend. And, and the same for when we're out of home again. Uh, there's no point having things in huge packs um, if we're only in the office once or twice a week. So brands might need to be thinking uh, about new formats for their products. Uh, now, that's kind of not the most exciting thing for brands to be doing. It's not the kind of the shiny new MPD, um, but we know that it really works in kind of driving people to be buying your product. And then the third thing, as, as well, is kind of uh, launching with an immediate impact. Um, now, we know from uh, talking to a lot of our colleagues um, and clients uh, that, that timelines have been squeezed in the last 18 months when it comes to the, uh, the length of time uh, the people, uh, the brands uh, are being given for their product in stores. So before they were given uh, six to 12 months to succeed, now it's a matter of a couple of months. And that's now relevant for our habits as well. But as Will said, if we've got three to six months to really embed these new behaviors and habits in, brands need to really be going um, right, you know, pretty quickly right off the starting blocks uh, in order to kind of establish their roles um, in our lives. And then returning to Will's point about kind of, you know, people not necessarily feeling comfortable returning to, to shops and, and physical shops after lockdown ends, we really need to think about how we can re-engage these consumers. And there's a couple of different ways we can think about this. So we can give people reason um, to kind of go back into store. Um, and, and that's going to be really important. Um, you know, if there's no reason for them to be going back into there, we need to create it more of a, more of a destination more of an experience. And then the second thing is filling those digital gaps. Um, so supporting kind of digital retail and kind of giving people that, that real physical experience when they're at home. So making people feel, feel that kind of .com isn't this kind of poor cousin of going into the store. Think about all the different things that brands can do uh, to make that experience feel a little bit fuller and richer. Now we've got examples there like on VR, but, but it doesn't necessarily need to be as high budget as that. Just thinking about all the different ways uh, that we need to be thinking about brands engaging um, in those brands. Um, so I think the real lessons here uh, are, are to, for brands to consider how um, a consumers feel about their stores and not just rushing to reopen them as they were before, um, you know, regardless of how their consumers think, um, but, but thinking about um, you know, what consumers want from them going forwards. Um, so we've got a couple of really nice examples um, from Walkers and Motorpoint to uh, show that off. New car? Yes, thanks, Brian. Mine was uh, cheaper, obviously. It's from Motorpoint. They're never beaten on price. Obviously, yours was uh, older. All their cars are under three years old. What, with warranty? They're always under warranty, Brian. Motorpoint. Car buying made easy. So to capture what feels really important then in the last segment, um, understanding that there won't be a universal audience mindset coming out of lockdown. There's likely to be a real split in relation to the prospect of shopping again, and also the circumstances that people may find themselves in. So brands should be mindful of this as they develop brand campaigns, communication and media planning. And brand salience, how important it is for brands to remind consumers why they love them drawing on the essence of what makes them essential in people's lives in order to get back in the basket 
or retain loyalty at those key moments in the purchase funnel. Back to you, Will. So uh, as we've seen, kind of our routines are going to be changed and the food we buy from supermarkets could be impacted and that will obviously impact uh, what we cook and what we make at home. But also more broadly, as we come out of lockdown and uh, we have new behaviours, less time potentially for cooking, uh, more opportunities to go out, that will also impact uh, what we eat. And in fact, 47% uh, of people say they're looking forward to being able to go out to restaurants again. 13% of people say they're incredibly looking forward to be going out on dates again. Uh, so there's a lot of people that are looking forward to those opportunities to go out. Um, there are, however, people who have actually enjoyed the opportunity to cook again. Uh, I'm not one of them, but many people have enjoyed that uh, time at home, uh, spent cooking, developing meals, uh, being relaxed, being with family, and they want to maintain that. Um, but as I said, that's not true of everyone. For example, Sean Bernard here said, I cannot believe I have to make dinner again. I just want dinner to be one of those £4.50 hot wraps in prep. You only buy when you're two minutes from the pub and remember you haven't eaten. Please, I cannot take it anymore. Uh, and I, I feel Sean here, and about 31% of people have said they've reached a point where they really can't bear cooking another meal at home. Uh, so again, what we see is this, this split between the people who want to go out for dinner, the people who don't want to make dinner anymore at home, and the people who are actually like, no, I love cooking. This has been a great opportunity to get back into it and want to maintain those behaviours. It's, it's not universal but we will see some people very much shifting their behavior while some try to keep on to the good things they've developed in lockdown. Um, and I think as brands, we really need to, to think about how we tap in to both of those. So the people who are developing uh, a real desire to go out again and developing new behaviors, we need to think how we can tap into those moments and become the restaurant they go to, become the pub that they go to, or become the uh, food they pick up uh, that's on the go or easy cooking. And a good example from our past is working with rustlers. Uh, and this was, we really tried to tap into people's behaviors with their children. So rustlers was an easy meal to make when your friends had kids around. It was an easy meal for after kids uh, evening activities. We fitted it into an occasion that was an existing behavior for people uh, and then drove it home as an easy solution to that. And there was the inherent reward that you'd see your kids happily eating a meal that didn't take you that long to make and has very minimal washing up. And I think lots of brands can do the same here. They can look at these new behaviors that people are adopting coming out of lockdown and try to put their brand front and center of those as an occasion so that they become the thing they habitually turn to whenever those uh, behaviors happen. Similarly, you know, there is a, a sense that brands will also want people to maintain some of the behaviours they've done during lockdown. And so we'll need to find the people who enjoyed cooking, remind them of that joy and get them to take steps to commit to cook, whether that's ordering ingredients, whether that's making a shopping list of the things they need to cook or putting time aside, uh, really, you know, delivering that right message to the right person, uh, depending on what they're feeling coming out of lockdown. So, yeah, as Will alluded to um, with this kind of cooking example, uh, for some people over the last 18 months, it's been this brilliant time that they've been able to indulge themselves um, with the kind of a time and, and perhaps the excess money that they may have had to, to kind of you know, get cooking every evening. And, and for some people, um, they would have 
absolutely hated it. Uh, and I think Will and I probably represent the two different sides of that coin. Um, and, and so it really reminds me that at kind of a, a more elevated level, um, as we come out of lockdown and behaviours are changing, it's an opportunity for some brands, um, but a threat for others. And, and by that, I mean an opportunity for brands to either get back to where they were or to disrupt habits. Um, and a threat for those that have had a really good last 18 months and, and now need to kind of, um, you know, take stock of their situation and, and defend their position. Uh, so the first one is kind of family dining. Um, and I think it goes without saying that there have been some pretty, um, you know, tragic and negative impacts of COVID. But one of the things um, that comes across quite positively when we talk to people um, is that there's been much more time at home for parents. Um, although some of the parents we talked to uh, did say that they couldn't wait to get back to their offices. Um, so again, there's a, a little bit of difference there. Um, but without the kind of the pressure of commuting or inflexible working times, uh, parents have been able to have, you know, enjoyable family meals, you know, quality time, um, you know, throughout the evening, um, rather than kind of seeing them first thing and, and then them going to bed before they get home. So I think that's been really exciting. I think the opportunity for brands here um, is to um, make sure that we don't just revert back to our old habits um, because we could quite easily just, um, especially for parents, um, go back to being in offices again and, and, and those kind of positive slip away. So I kind of think of the sort of, you know, classic home brands with the sort of the Bistos and the Oxos of this world that are kind of been, have, have kind of prided themselves on, on kind of family meal times. You know, what can they do to help us remind ourselves that family dining time is really important it's not just something that happens on a saturday or a sunday or even on christmas day from some of the studies that we've been looking at um, how can they make sure that there's a role for family dining um, every evening and then the second thing is subscription boxes um, and so over the last um, 18 months um, in all forms whether they be beer deliveries meal kits um, coffee beans um, pasta um, from things like Pastor Evangelist. I mean, they've soared in the last 18 months um, and they've had some real kind of functional and emotional benefits of having their subscription boxes. So for example, you know, to minimize the times that we need to go to supermarkets, um, especially um, for people who uh, may have been shielding, um, it's been a real godsend. Uh, and in an emotional um, aspect, it's made mealtimes um, a bit more exciting. You know, people working in offices before, they may have only been um, having to think about kind of, you know, their meal in the evening, for example, and actually now um, they've been having to do breakfast, lunch um, and dinner for themselves. So um, that can get quite tiresome. So it's provided a little bit of excitement for that. Uh, and, and as well as that, it's that one less decision to have to make every day. If someone is sending you a subscription box and deciding what you're eating, you don't need to worry about that. Um, but actually, um, there's a kind of a, a pro and a con to that type of thing. Uh, and it makes me think that if people are kind of continuing with this, these subscription boxes, where there's three or four meals guaranteed for them every week, um, could they perhaps kind of change from being this real kind of helping hand to being a bit of a tie? And suddenly when we kind of uh, return to these slightly more spontaneous lives that we lead when we're maybe coming home from, from work a bit later or, or, or perhaps kind of want to go out for something to eat in the evening or a drink. Um, are we going to be thinking differently about these subscription services when we see them as this tie that we have to get home for um, rather than um, this kind of benefit? Um, and, and I think uh, if they're kind of continuing on in that vein, I think they'll probably be seen slightly less that as, as a treat if they become quite kind of utility and functional. And they're just this something that's just there all the time. Are we going to begin to kind of shop around a bit more for them? We think actually, you know, rather than something that's quite exciting, it just becomes this thing that, that is there every week. So uh, I think it's quite important that they, they kind of 
um, you know, look at themselves and take stock of their positioning and kind of what their usage is for. And, and then we saw the, the kind of the rise of things like uh, DIY pizza kits or, or burger kits or, or, or those types of things kind of coming out. And they were really quite exciting kind of things that you could do, whether it be on an evening or a weekend. Again, going back to that idea of bringing families together, something quite nice. Um, but if restaurants are reopening again, what is the role for, for subscription services like that? Um, so I, I think, you know, whether it be Pizza Pilgrims or, or Honest Burger, those kind of brands that have, that have been able to pivot their business from, from in-store to kind of D2C, um, how are they then going to kind of, uh, you know, make sure that that kind of remains as a revenue stream? Are they just going to turn off and go, everyone, you know, get back into, get back into shops and, and stores again? So I think that's been uh, quite an interesting kind of both a, a pro and a con, an opportunity and a threat for those subscription brands. Uh, and I think we just need to remember that, that for brands across the board, um, now is a time for real kind of attack um, and defense um, as, as kind of habits are disrupted. Uh, so on the subject of food brands, um, here's some things that we've made uh, for Seriously uh, and Rustlers. Looking for something seriously tasty? Try a little portion of rich tangy cheddar that spreads. Seriously, unbeatable flavor in every bite. Things turn out better than expected. Like discovering Rustler's burgers are made with 100% British and Irish beef. Rustler's. Better than you think. So the key point from the last segment then is that this is an opportunity for some brands and a threat to others. An opportunity for brands to leverage the moments and occasions that people have grown to love over the past 18 months, such as family dining putting your brand front and center of these and a threat for brands where the occasion they're being part of becomes less prevalent and their role less obvious such as subscription services the ones we've lent on so heavily whilst in lockdown and the challenge that presents to reinforce relevance and feasibility in the new hybrid way of life back over to you guys so now we come to socialising and entertainment. Um, I think we touched upon this before when we spoke about people wanting to go to restaurants again, to bars, to being able to date. But there is a real built-up appetite for socialising and getting out there again. Uh, in fact, people on average say they want to go out at least three times a week once lockdown fully ends, which shows the desire to really be out there, socialise and enjoy themselves again. There is a question whether that will last long term. Having gone out three times uh, two weeks ago, I can say it's very tiring and hard to potentially maintain over the long term. But there is this real desire to get out there amongst people again. It's captured by uh, at Tordry Hepburn, who says, so far my quarantine hobbies are walking, practicing Chinese, learning how to paint and yoga. I sound so productive, but I can't wait for lockdown to end so I can be a lazy, drunk degenerate again. And I hear you. Uh, I think that speaks to many people's uh, feelings about the opportunities of socialising and enjoying themselves uh, again. And it's actually already happening. So we can see that uh, lots of in London, the stations most associated uh, with having fun, restaurants, bars, socialising, have already seen a significant growth in traffic. And this is something we expect uh, to grow even more 
uh, as lockdown officially ends and people are able to go out uh, and really enjoy themselves. And this obviously represents a real opportunity for a lot of brands, whether that's uh, alcohol brands, pub brands, uh, or things associated with going out. So uh, energy drinks, food that you get on the go. Um, however, that is an opportunity for a lot of people, but it is also a threat to all of those activities we've adopted to deal with lockdown and the fact that we can't socialize as much. So for example, 41% of 18 to 34 year olds say they are using streaming platforms less as restrictions ease. And that's a pattern that we would expect to continue. And therefore those activities that we've been doing to try and socialize or fill that socializing gap can be under threat. And so I think there's two key jobs for brands. One is to consider these new socializing behaviors uh, and how they can potentially tap into those. And the other is to consider where there's new behaviors that are a threat and how they can counteract those. So I think an example here is Carabao, uh, who wanted to target people with an energy drink uh, in a campaign that we ran um, on their way about their every life. And what we did was we targeted those key moments, those key behaviors when people would want an energy boost. So at work, lunchtime, during an afternoon lull when people find that they lose a bit of energy and we could target that with online display, people going out Friday and Saturday evenings and we could target out of home to those key areas like key stations or town centers where people would go out, uh, manual workers who get up very early for work or people playing evening sport. And so by having this targeted advertising on mobile, digital out of home display, we could hit those moments uh, where people were socializing or doing activities uh, and tell them that they could get an energy boost. I think lots of brands can consider now the new behaviors around socializing and then for the key moments they can reach people to put their brand in front of them. Uh, and I think overall what we see is a real pattern across all of these different categories that there are people who are changing their behaviors and people that want to try and maintain what they've got. And I think because of that, there's two key learnings and next steps for people. One is you need to try and understand for your category, how behavior might change as people come out of lockdown. You need to plot the potential changes that people will have and then understand whether that is an opportunity for you and how you can reach those people in media during those new behaviors to encourage the use of your brand and potentially build it as a habit or how you can try and defend the use of your brand if behavior change is going to put it under threat and remind people of the benefits of it and why it was something they turn to and will continue to enjoy the second part is realize that people aren't uniform and that actually different people are going to respond to the end of lockdown differently. Some people are looking forward to going shopping again. Some people are very nervous about it. Some people want to start uh, going to restaurants and grabbing food on the go, while others want to maintain cooking. And we see this pattern consistently, where often around half of people are really excited for the opportunity of lockdown ending and the new behaviors they can adopt. And other people are either slightly nervous about the new behaviors that they could do, or want to maintain some of the benefits of new activities they've done in lockdown. And we need to consider how we nest potentially target those people with different messages and how we can use media to reach those people with the message that's appropriate to them based on how they're feeling and how they're planning to behave as we come out of lockdown. 
So as Will said, I think there's a lot of enthusiasm and excitement about being able to go back to your favourite places and explore new ones. Uh, but there's also um, some hesitancy um, among, you know, a quite a sizable amount of, of consumers. So I think there's a real, um, you know, consumer tension that, that brands need to navigate. Um, and, and so when we kind of think about it, when we kind of put those two together, uh, we need to think how brands can, can best respond to it. This idea that, that the majority of people at the moment do you feel a little bit uncomfortable about going back to pubs and bars? So, so how can venues, for example, um, support people going back? Um, you know, is there a kind of case of, of limiting the amount of people that may be in there on certain days and advertising that and going, you know, we understand that perhaps you might not want to be going back in there at the moment. So on a certain day of the week, we'll make sure that there's only half the capacity that we'll have when we reopen back up again. Um, you know, to give people that sense of safety. You know, on the other hand, that might be a problem for, for those places that have been starved of income for the last um, 18 months. And, and, and so, you know, that, that is a real thing that, that, that brands and, and businesses um, need to balance up. Um, and, and then I think the thing for me that really struck me is that for older customers or people that are perhaps um, less comfortable with technology, um, the technology has become a, a real crucial part of going out at the moment. Everything from checking in when you go to venues, uh, to menus when you get to places, to having to order through an app. And, and so for a lot of people uh, who may have heard about that and, and perhaps are less comfortable with it, they need to be assured that the places that they love um, are not going to be kind of blocked off to them, that there are other ways that they're going to be able to interact um, with those venues because, you know, that in itself is, is a huge barrier um, to them going out. Likewise, it's an opportunity that, you know, if, uh, if there are places that they loved that aren't offering that help and support, then they're likely to look elsewhere. You know, people are still going to want to go out and, and kind of enjoy life again. So if you're not a business or a venue that is trying to understand your customers, to understand that people are reacting to lockdown easing differently, then potentially you may be missing out. And then in terms of financial pressure, so again, we've kind of talked about a lot of people want to make up for this kind of lost year. So whether it be treating yourself to tickets, um, you know, indulgent nights out, going back to restaurants. Um, and, and that on the flip side is this kind of uh, financial tension. So it's happening to justify that, you know, justify all those trips. Um, and, and although many, um, you know, probably have become quite used to this disposable income if they've not been able to go out all the time. So they're probably feeling a little bit more flush than they were. And that kind of adds on to the point that, that Will made before that, that some people have maintained this steady income over the last 18 months and been able to save quite a lot of money, whilst other people... Um, that's been diminished. Uh, and I know speaking of myself that suddenly when you realize that when you are going out a few nights a week, you realize how expensive that perhaps was from before. Um, and it's only by kind of having that break in it that perhaps you now realize. So I think brands need to think about how they can kind of entice people back into it. So one of the things that I've seen that I think has been great is Aperol, um, where you were able to um, expense back to them uh, one of your two cocktails. So if you're buying two Aperols, you'd be able to get half your money back on one of them. And that had the kind of the dual effect of driving their brand positioning, which was around bringing people together with kind of a cocktail and, and kind of enjoying life together, but also a financial incentive that you're able to kind of get people buying back into their brands, um, but without quite so much of a financial barrier to them. I think just things like transport companies may need to kind of think about what they're doing. So Uber at the moment, uh, we've seen that they kind of have quite heavy media spenders. They're kind of preparing people to kind of go back out and kind of bring them back into their services. And they've been running a lot of promotions at the moment. But you kind of can't help but wonder how, uh, you know, transport companies, whether that be the train networks, whether that be taxi or Uber, 
for example, can work with hospitality brands to kind of bring a package together of going out to feel like you're not taking this one financial hit from going to a night out, but you're suddenly tossing up all of the different expenses of your evening and finding a way that you can help all of those businesses in one go that perhaps may have been suffering over the last year. Um, but likewise, this idea that some people will have now a lot of disposable income or have had a pretty um, you know, financially straightforward last 18 months, uh, what can brands do to kind of prize away a little bit of that extra income that they have? What can they do to kind of help people indulge in things, to help people feel as though they are making up for that last year? So, so again, you know, while some people have financially been struggling for others, there is kind of excess income and money kind of sloshing around that the brands can kind of tap into, which I think is really interesting. And I think it all goes back to Will's point, really, that, that brands need to think of, of consumers um, as being different. Not everyone has gone through the same situation um, in the last 18 months, whether that be emotionally, financially, and it's not as easy as cutting it by geography or demographic, not as easy as cutting it by one category being fine, another brand or another category suffering. People and, and, and different brands have kind of experienced pros and cons in very different ways. Um, and so that messaging needs to be absolutely right for each brand, for each type of consumer. Brands really need to think about segmentations and, and beyond just um, standard demographics. Uh, so on the kind of uh, subject of socialising and entertainment, here's some work um, from Pepsi and Britbox. We Europeans are so utterly civilized. What will vaccine do, So I think we've had a few questions submitted. Um, so thanks very much for those. And, and any that we can't answer now, we'll answer over email uh, in the coming days. Uh, so I think this is probably one for you, Will. Um, it says, should we be looking at different channels, uh, channel mixes to target both those who are commuting, but also those who are staying at home? Definitely. So I think, uh, as we said, I wouldn't think about it so much as this channel for this role and, and this channel for that all the channels can be good at, at reaching different types of consumers generally. Uh, it's about understanding your audience segmentation, understanding who in your uh, audience is potentially going to be adopting new behaviours, going out, and then who in your audience is going to be uh, sticking with what they've got, potentially trying to maintain the messaging to them about why they've enjoyed using your product, and then working out how you can reach those different consumers with the right media. Uh, I think obviously out of home is going to grow in importance around town centers, around social areas, and that'd be a really good way to reach those people. But similarly, you can do mobile tracking to capture people that are on the, the go again, potentially types of newspapers or magazines that people read on the go, particularly things like the Metro, uh, offer a real opportunity for that. While there will continue to be things like uh, SVOD, uh, TV, um, certain digital channels, particularly kind of desktop, uh, that will be perfect for reaching people in the home or occasionally at work if it's during those hours. So I think you can definitely use different media to, to reach different people. 
there's also the opportunity to start to get a bit more uh, nuanced with it. So alongside channel, you can use certain channels in really smart ways. So as I touched on earlier, if you can target people who have searched around, uh, is it safe to go shopping? Uh, either through things like Captify or Google, you can start to deliver messages about how your shop is safe. Whereas potentially you can see people who are starting to look um, on your website or uh, asking for directions to shops, uh, you can start to reach them with tailor messaging that's more about the excitement of shopping and tapping into that. So I think that there is the opportunity here to use different media partners and potentially your own data to, to reach people with the right message, as well as just considering it at a broad channel level. Sure. Uh, and just a kind of a quick question here. So uh, do you expect consumer spending in Q4 to increase? Uh, will there be revenge shopping? I'll take this one. Um, so I think as we've kind of spoken about, I think there's going to be some uh, pretty different situations uh, for different people, depending on how the last 18 months has treated you in terms of kind of your attitude. Uh, to revenge shopping. I, I think kind of assuming that there are no restrictions or sort of incoming threat of COVID at Christmas, um, I think those who can are likely to probably indulge in a bit of revenge shopping. Um, but I think the types of things that they're probably buying may be different. I think uh, vouchers or travel breaks, uh, things like theatre trips or tickets are probably going to be less popular in the sense that a lot of people have to already push those sorts of things back by a year or two years. So it's almost as though that kind of box has already ticked for a lot of people. There's already a lot of gifts in that space. Um, but I think kind of people may need to search for other types of gift um, that they're going to be kind of buying for different people. Um, but I think regardless of kind of gift buying, it, it will be a time of, of indulgence and meeting up with people um, if you can. Um, I think probably, uh, you know, less cheerfully, I think there probably will be a stark divide, though, in the types of Christmases that people may have. Um, so for some people, um, you know, they're going to be able to spend a bit more on friends, family and themselves, and they will be able to. But for others, um, I, I think it may be quite a hard time and probably likely to see, um, you know, things like the BBC kind of coming in like they were before to, to kind of give people that sense of emotional togetherness, even if the situation that they're living in. Um, is quite different. And, and I think there's probably a job for brands um, and retailers to consider their propositions and price points and understand that, that even if people can't necessarily afford everything, that there is something that they can be buying into. Um, so that just leaves me um, to summarise um, what we've talked about over the last hour. I think, you know, brands need to be aware that their relationship with consumers has changed, um, you know, particularly commuters and people working in the office. So they may need to kind of flex and refine their proposition uh, to rema uh, remain uh, relevant and retain their kind of uh, relevance um, in that kind of shopper uh, mindset. I think the second one, reminding consumers why they love you. So that kind of brand salience that, as we've seen, you know, the next six months is going to be absolutely crucial for brands, whether it be to kind of pick up where they left off um, 18 months ago or to kind of re-engage and, and disrupt those behaviours. So that kind of brand salience, getting back into grocery baskets, um, you know, even uh, getting into grocery baskets when people have changed the shop that they may be going into, uh, that's going to be really, really important. Understanding uh, that now is an opportunity for some brands, but a threat to others, as we've seen with the idea of subscription boxes, you know, they had a huge opportunity that they've taken over the last 18 months, and now they need to work out exactly what their role is in people's lives to maintain 
um, that growth and maintain that market share. Uh, and, and, and I think just assuming that, that you know, everyone is going to be fine and that everything is going to be bouncing back, I think brands and businesses probably do that at that peril. Uh, and, and then finally, uh, probably the most important point of all, um, not generalizing how your consumers feel and understanding that you know, just because kind of coming out of lockdown and restrictions easing is a positive, it doesn't mean everyone is going to be rushing back into shops, uh, restaurants, hotels, bars, um, you know, some people are going to be needing a little bit more support or, or kind of help to kind of be getting out there. Uh, and some people aren't going to be in a financial situation to do so either. So lots of different barriers um, that the brands need to understand. So now it's time to bring our session to a close. Thank you, Will and Josh. Lots for us to think about. And clearly um, a really unique moment of time is upon us. Uh, it's a real window of opportunity for brands. So it'll be interesting to see how marketers, you know, step up and rise to the challenge in the months ahead. As I said, uh, we'll do our best to respond to any questions we didn't get to directly with you. And please do reach out to us if you want to explore any specifics in relation to your own brands. In the meantime, thank you all for joining us. I hope you enjoyed it. Bye-bye. This podcast is brought to you by Total Media, the behavioral planning agency, an innovative approach to behavioral insights to deliver more effective marketing results and business growth.